Welcome to the Soulful IVF Podcast. It's your host, Lisa White, and I believe your fertility journey through IVF can be one of more ease, more joy, and more magic. Staying empowered on this path requires us to look within, to go a bit deeper, to hold on to ourselves always. So remember to keep that light alive and let it begin. Before we jump into this next conversation, I wanted to extend an invitation to you to join for free this coming Thursday, February 16th. It's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do a little hangout on Zoom in celebration of Valentine's Day, a little Galentine's gathering just to hang out, have sisterhood, support, connection if you're navigating through IVF. I hope you'll sign up. There's information below in the show notes. You can also check my website, ivfmanifestingamiracle.com, as well as Instagram, IVF Manifesting a Miracle. I hope to see you there. Lots of love. Hi, thanks so much for being here. This next conversation is a chat I had with Dr. Green recently, all about egg freezing. And we cover a lot in this short little mini episode. He gives us an idea of good questions to ask our provider if we're considering going down this path. And I ask general questions about medications, testing, the process, cost, age. You're going to get to hear all of it. And um, yeah, Dr. Green is wonderful in sharing some great information for us and helping us stay empowered as we're moving forward and making decisions in our family planning. So yeah, this is our second conversation in the IVF 3.0 series with Dr. Green, and I hope you enjoy this one. All right. I'm here with Dr. Green of Conceptions for another clinical conversation. How are you doing, Dr. Green? Doing great. How are you doing? Really good. Thank you. So the topic for today is all about egg freezing. Hot topic. Well, (laughs) I think it needs to be. I mean, people don't realize that egg freezing is, you know, uh, you know, it's a, a women's rights kind of issue. You know, people don't think of it that way, but I could tell you, I've I've been in this field for 27 years and people used to consider contraception to be a women's rights issues because it allowed women to plan when they wanted to get pregnant. And that really expanded opportunities for people. But as a a benefit, you know, as a result of those greater opportunities, we have a lot of women that are delaying when they want to have kids. And then sometimes they're hitting up with some biological uh, limits. And so for people that, that want to really get the best of all worlds, they want to pursue the ideal relationship or the ideal career track or the, the ideal family timing, this is a women's rights issue. And I think that it's something that more people need to have greater access and understanding of. Yeah, no, thank you for having this chat with me. And it is a topic that I see more women talk about and, you know, different celebrities, people like Jennifer Aniston, you know, shared her story wishing she, someone had told her about this, like, you know, you might want to consider freezing your eggs, this and that. So I just, uh, I think more women are exploring this option and I kind of just wanted to have you open it up to, to common questions that you get asked about this topic. And well, I mean, like, you know, you mentioned, for instance, you know, the example of Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. you know, um, sometimes people are in the perfect relationship, but they're not at the perfect time in their life career wise. Other times, you know, it's, it's other things, you know, for but for someone that's not in a relationship, doesn't know when they're going to be in a relationship or who their partner is going to be. I've had patients that 
I've had one patient that was a Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit model that didn't want to get pregnant, you know, too early in her life because mm-hmm. she thought it might affect her modeling career. I've had patients that are Olympic athletes that are, you know, wanted to be able to to continue their ability to compete, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the point of this is, I think it's kind of ironic that even in this modern era, the term family planning is usually a euphemism for contraception. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we do when we sit down with someone to have an egg freezing consultation is we're actually planning a family. I ask people, I say, what's the absolute biggest family you can ever imagine wanting to have, meaning maximum number of children? And what's the absolute soonest you want to have your first child? Because those two questions immediately start to get my mind working at how do I help someone have their first pregnancy according to their current timeline? And also, how do I try to optimize their chances of being able to have that last pregnancy, even if nature and biology wouldn't have allowed it without the assistance of technology? Mm. Yeah, I mean, so grateful for this kind of technology that we can explore options, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, honestly, it's technology that was originally, you know, developed in the realm of of trying to meet the needs of cancer patients. Mm -hmm. When someone was told, you know, that they had a cancer that needed treatment that was going to damage their ovaries, that's really where a lot of the initial efforts for egg freezing were directed. Mm -hmm. But over the years, it was kind of interesting because, you know, for a lot of those patients, we didn't realize how you know, uh, the cancer might be affecting their underlying egg quality or fertility. And so it was really only more recently over the last five to seven years that what we today call social egg freezing, Mm. uh, where it's basically people that are doing it either because, like I said, they're not in the right relationship or they need to pursue their career right now and put family building on hold or other reasons that aren't necessarily medical. I'm glad you talked about the fertility preservation. I actually had a chat with my friend Ashley on episode three, and she went through that, you know, to preserve her fertility, freezing her eggs. Exactly. And, and you know, part of what makes this process so challenging and why it took certain, you know, advances in our, our technical aspects of things, the human egg is one of the largest cells in the body. The human egg is actually you know, a little bit smaller than a period on a printed page. Mm. So you could see an egg without a microscope, but just barely. Mm. And the reason it's so large is that egg has to have not just the DNA necessary to help reproduce. It has to have a lot of proteins. It has to have a lot of microscopic structures that it has to be able to divide up amongst all the cells that are developed. And it has to have a certain amount of stored energy because, you know, keep in mind, you know, the, the embryo that is developing needs to have all the energy it needs until the point when a connection with the maternal blood flow can provide additional resources. Mm. And, and so for that reason, the egg is very, very complex and very, very large you know, on a microscopic level compared to mm-hmm. other cells. And that makes it very, very difficult to freeze an egg without damaging it. By contrast, sperm is the smallest cell in the body. Mm. A sperm cell is smaller than a red blood cell. 
Oh my gosh. And there's nothing inside a, a sperm except for DNA. There is no, uh, there are no microscopic structures. There are no accessory proteins, you know, and, and, you know, because of that, there's no water inside a sperm. And that's what makes sperm so easy to freeze. But by contrast, an egg to be so difficult to freeze. And so, you know, what happened is for many years, egg freezing technology wasn't very good because it wasn't possible to freeze eggs without damaging them. Today, we have techniques and the ability to freeze eggs without damaging them. The bigger challenge is we don't really know what the quality of the egg is Mm. until the egg is thawed, which is often many years later. And so that's why we have to factor these things in on how we counsel someone that's considering egg freezing. Mm, So interesting. What um, if you could just kind of give us an egg freezing 101 (laughs) for anyone that's interested in freezing their eggs is what was the process, like how the length of time maybe the cost. I know the cost can be typically around $10,000. No? Well, I mean, $10,000 is a high estimate, at least based on my experience at my center. You know, uh, it's closer to around $8,000. And okay. we also discount if someone needs to go through more than one egg freezing cycle. Okay. But, you know, the way that, that we address an egg freezing consultation is first, we start out with some basic testing to give a woman an idea of how fertile her ovaries are compared to other women the same age. So we start by doing some very basic testing with ultrasound and blood tests to get an idea of how fertile we think someone is, which not only gives them an idea of what their chances of pregnancy would be with a perfect partner if they were trying immediately, But it also gives people an idea of how rapidly things might change by the time they want to have their second or or third or even fourth child down the line. Okay. Okay. So you start with basic testing. That testing also gives us some insight as to how many eggs someone might be able to produce in an egg freezing cycle. Like we have some patients that could successfully produce 18 to 20 eggs in one cycle of egg freezing. And we have other patients that might struggle to freeze, you know, three to five eggs at a time. And that becomes really critical depending on, you know, the ultimate goal of someone's, you know, family building size. So we could come up with short-term and long-term goals. And the tests, are they pretty basic, standard across the board, like AMH, FMH? Again, I I can't really speak to the way everybody everybody Mm -hmm. does things. We do an ultrasound, we do some blood tests, and you might consider them basic tests, but something like an AMH test, which you mentioned a moment ago, there are studies that show that not all labs do this test equally well. Mm. And so, you know, some labs you know, might use a, a very inexpensive assay or they might store the blood for a week before it's ever tested, which can compromise the accuracy of the test. So, you know, it, it, it is, it is, these are important questions that any patient should ask their provider, mm-hmm. you know, how their data compares with national data, uh, you know, or other centers in their area as well. Okay. And so once a woman starts this process, like, take me back. I'm trying to remember <laughs> when I had my first egg retrieval. And, well, like, I mean, one of the, the things that's so important to compare 
is an egg is only a chance at a baby. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a frozen egg is, you know, a chance with an asterisk at it. And then what the asterisk I mean is not all women's eggs freeze equally well. Like I'll give you an example. And the best example we have with today's technology is using eggs that were frozen by women that are egg donors. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this is our best comparison is women that are paid to donate their eggs typically have certain proven fertility characteristics. So they're kind of the ideal people for comparison. Whereas a lot of the patients that I meet with have never tried to get pregnant. So they might not have any insight, you know, other than their age as to what their egg quality might be. But when we're using frozen eggs from an egg donor, we always make sure that the recipient gets at least eight eggs from a frozen egg bank. Mm. And the reason is, is even the best egg donor, not every egg is going to become a baby. Right. You know, and the idea of having eight is that statistically maximizes someone's chance that would acquire those eight eggs of having at least one baby and sometimes two and occasionally three. So one of the things that's important is that people understand that one egg doesn't mean one baby. One egg means one chance. Right. Ideally, for most people that are freezing their eggs, they should have at least eight to 10 eggs for every one child that they hope to have someday. That's a really good. Some women can produce 20 eggs at a time, and that might be enough for two or three kids. But we have some patients that we tell them right off the bat, you know what, your expectations need to be a little bit more modest based on on your test results. Mm, Good information. Um, So with the timeframe, women are on medications for again, about how long before the egg? Yeah, generally, most people are on medications for anywhere between eight and 12 days before an egg retrieval. And the combination of medications, at least in our experience, is tailored to that person's blood test. Mm-hmm. So like someone that that has really excellent ovarian reserve tests, they might need very little medication. They might be on it as short as seven or eight days. Whereas someone that we feel we need to push harder, we're going to have a, a, you know, a different expectation set up up front. And that's why it's so important that people understand that, you know, they're, their treatment protocol and expectations should be tailored to their own tests and their own tests might not be as valid if they were done a year or two ago, or if they were done with less than standard, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, qualifications. And the the length of time to do an egg retrieval, as far as the procedure itself, it's really quick, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, the actual egg retrieval, at least in, in our experience, most people are under anesthesia anywhere between seven and 15 minutes. So the procedure itself is a very quick and, and very safe procedure done in a well-controlled, experienced environment. It's getting to that procedure that is the time mm-hmm. investment that could be anywhere from four to eight weeks. And then after the egg retrieval, um, as far as when they're frozen, how soon after does that happen? 
Uh, at our center, uh, eggs are typically frozen within about two to three hours after the egg retrieval. Okay. And they're frozen through a special process called vitrification. We use very careful, uh, carefully selected media and very carefully selected instruments mm-hmm. to really mac- maximize, you know, uh, the quality of the eggs at the time of thaw. And again, not every center has equal experience. You know, one of the things that I think is a great question that patients can ask their provider is if they are a collection site for any national egg banks. Mm. Because, you know, for instance, if you're really good at what you do, then egg banks want you to serve as a a satellite for for their egg donors because they have the confidence and the ability to know that you're going to optimize the quality of the eggs that they're going to pay a donor to donate. Mm -hmm. And so any center that has that status, I think someone should feel good that, that they can get the same use of that, of the experience and the techniques and the equipment of that center to really optimize their outcome when it comes time to thaw. So good. Yeah. We know how important the labs are. (laughs) Absolutely. And then the problem is, is, at the time when most people that freeze eggs are going to come back, they might not be able to produce eggs of the same quality because it's going to be years later. So, you know, it's the fact that you can't test the egg quality before freezing it, it's important that you have the confidence that it's done by someone that's truly trained to maximize the outcome. Mm-hmm. Such good information. Um, typical ages for women who are, are you seeing more and more well, women? The coming? ideal age that we say for freezing eggs is typically between 32 and 38 years of age. You know, if someone has very reassuring testing and they're less than 32, then sometimes they could just repeat their testing in a year or two rather than invest in freezing eggs, unless they know they want to have a very large family. You know, mm-hmm. then they might want to freeze eggs to optimize the chance of the last pregnancy or two, mm-hmm. you know, and the problem with, you know, freezing your eggs after age 38 is the fact that you don't know what the egg quality is prior to freeze. You know, um, you got to be aware that after age 38, egg quality is a pretty, pretty significant challenge to getting pregnant naturally because of declines in egg quality. And so sometimes it's better to fertilize eggs before you freeze them. Uh, But that obviously requires the use of donor sperm if someone's not in a relationship. But that's the ultimate way to test egg quality is to fertilize some of the eggs and and actually test them. And I have some patients, for instance, that are after age 38, what I'll sometimes say is, why don't we freeze some of the eggs unfertilized in case you meet a partner in the future but why don't we freeze some of the eggs after fertilization so that if you don't meet a partner, you know you've got embryos that you created with someone that you selected as an anonymous sperm donor. Okay. Wow, this is really helpful. Is there an age that the highest, what's the oldest of, of a woman's age that you've ever frozen her eggs? Can I ask that? Well, I've, I've actually frozen eggs for someone that was 41 but, you know, the thing I, I documented, like, you know, as much as I could, is mm-hmm. the fact that I couldn't be sure that these eggs were going to ever fertilize at the time, you know, that patient chose to, to thaw and fertilize them. Mm-hmm. Because, again, egg quality after age 40 
for even the most fertile woman tends to be going down. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, part of what this is all about, Lisa, is it's patient advocacy. I don't really serve as a, as a barrier to things to people, but I want to make sure people are making a fully informed decision. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone to come back that, you know, someone that froze their eggs at 41 that wants to use them at 44. I don't want them to come back and be upset if we thaw the eggs and they don't fertilize. And I say, I told you in advance that egg quality was not something I could guarantee at thaw, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so mm-hmm. it's a matter of just trying to be a patient advocate help people understand why you're, you know, not recommending doing something. And if they disagree with you and they accept that, you know, they might not be optimizing their outcome, that at least they made an informed choice. Yeah, so good. And so technology really hasn't changed a whole lot in this area with egg freezing, would you say, like in recent years or is there any? Well, it hasn't in recent years, but that doesn't mean that technology and experience are equally distributed among centers. Mm-hmm. You know, part of the problem that's, that's out there, Lisa, is that people can use the national database to look at pregnancy rates. There's no national database for egg freezing. And so that's why I think patients need to be a little more savvy as consumers, ask questions like what your experience is with freezing donor eggs. Because again, donor eggs, those are basically people that are paid to donate their eggs. So the people that are freezing and thawing eggs for egg donors typically have such good experience. That's why they're selected at being Mm -hmm. amongst the elite. Such good information. Wow. <laughs> well, you guys are up there. I know as one of the top centers. So I'm grateful for your well, lab. And, and again, it's it's not really about directing the attention towards our center. I'm grateful to say we're very busy and we want to take care of whoever wants our services. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is in our area or wants to travel to us. So right. these are questions that I would encourage people to ask whomever they're considering for sure. their center just so that they could feel fully informed and engaged in the process. For for this reason, we're very reluctant to receive eggs that were frozen elsewhere because our experience is if we thaw eggs that weren't frozen well, people are are, are rarely mad at the person that froze the eggs and they always want to blame the person that thawed them. You know, Mm -hmm. so we try to be very honest about why we're reluctant to accept eggs that were frozen elsewhere, Mm -hmm. but it's based on experience when we've had patients that have asked us to ship their eggs to us. And then we, we ship their eggs and we thaw them and they weren't good quality. And then they're angry at us Mm -hmm. and thinking that we did something. Yeah. Wow. A lot of complicated (laughs) scenarios. I'm sure you're, you've dealt with. Wow. Exactly. Mm. Well, this information is super valuable. I know a lot of women are going to get a lot out of this. and well, uh, I hope so. And, and again, the important thing is, you know, and the most important message that I hope people get is a message of empowerment. Yes. These options are available to people. And that, you know, since there is not a perfect way to know what the outcome is going to be, it's a matter of trying to ask the right questions early and then find the person that's going to come as close as possible to meeting your goals. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. It's always a pleasure. It truly (laughs) is. Thank you so much for tuning in for this talk I had with Dr. Green all about egg freezing. 
You can connect with them at enhancingfertility.com and I can be reached, you know, where at ivfmanifestingamiracle.com. And if you have topics that you'd like us to cover, we welcome them and we'll continue doing this series, IVF 3.0. Like I said earlier, this is our second conversation in this new series and we're so excited to bring more topics your way. So don't be hesitant to send me a message and let me know what you'd like to cover. We'll do that. All right. Lots of love. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you liked it and found it helpful, I would be incredibly grateful if you would share it with a friend and tag me on social media at IVF Manifesting a Miracle. Your reviews of my podcast mean the absolute world, and I would love it if you would rate it and subscribe to the show. You can also watch these episodes on my YouTube channel. Connect with me at ivfmanifestingamiracle.com. There you'll find ways to work with me, book a connection call, and join my private newsletter where I provide extra nuggets and resources. You can also download my top 10 tips for ways to navigate through IVF with greater ease. It's all here for you. I hope you'll choose and lean into this path. Don't go about IVF alone. Choose to get support and know I'm there to walk alongside you. All my love. This is where it begins. Letting the light in, soaking it in. Darling, don't you know that you've got a gift? So look deep within.